What is up, guys? You're tuning into this Okiru podcast. I'm your co-host Jasper, and we thank you so much for spending this time with us. We hope you enjoy this episode. Make sure to follow us on our socials at Okiru on Instagram, Okiru on Facebook, Okiru on YouTube, and also Okiru on major platforms such as Spotify and Apple Music. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. We hope you enjoy. Okay. No introductions. Let's just get into discussion, man. Yeah. 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 Let's just get started. Yeah, let's just get started. Man. No introduction needed. <laughs> Ted doesn't need introductions, man. Look Ted at needs no introductions. <laughs> no Teddy, Teddy, how did that name come about? How did it come about? Uh, originally, my tattoo handle was "Get Angry Ted," and I worked in a studio. And my friend and owner of that studio said, "We should probably change that up." Um, there's also a famous Australian tattooist named Shaky Bill, and that's where I draw sort of my inspiration from just for Steady Teddy. The irony is is that there's so many other artists with way better, steadier work than me. <laughs> so that name is a lot to live up to. No, but the name could be an, an aspiration, right? Because some people buy dresses that they can't fit so that they could one day get into. Is that Steady Teddy? Uh... No, no <laughs> not at all. It was purely gimmickal and false advertisement, really. <laughs> so what are the coolest tattoo names and handles? Oh. I reckon you've come across some, some gems out there. Uh, I don't know how to pitch them as cool. Um I think everyone has a different narrative behind their their Instagram plug or their portfolio, like how they promote themselves. Yeah, yeah, it's like sex work. You know, do you really want to use your real name? <laughs> That's true. Not at all. Why they might trace you and find out where you live? Or I think we all know there's a few creeps out there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> are you facing any creeps yet? Mate, I've been tattooing for like nine or ten years. <laughs> We get creeps every week. So, yeah. what was the creep this week? Oh, creepiest week. I can't tell you from the top of my head. Hey, there's some definitely. There's definitely some stories where the police got called. Oh shit! Yeah. So when I was apprentice, um, we named these two brothers Ricky Reese <clears throat> because one of them was named Reese, and they fucking stunk. <laughs> um, and one of the brothers was getting tattooed and the other one was just being a bit of a menace. Mm. They were probably on something, something really strong. And uh, we had a young lady that was getting tattooed on her ribs, so she's quite exposed. Mm. Yeah. And Ricky Reese's brother was being a creep. So I sort of ushered him outside and was like, hey, do you want a cigarette? Because he looked like he was fiending for a cigarette. Mm. And I ushered him outside I was like, you can't go back in there, mate. And then he chucked up a fuss and started smashing like all these windows, uh, not of our the studio windows, but the, our neighbors. Mm. And eventually, the cops got called. So that was a pretty, that was a creepy yeah. one. That's yeah, one of the many 100%. creepy ones. Yeah. yeah. How'd you handle that so calmly, though? Like, I think because of it, I was apprentice, I <clears throat> wanted to, you know, like show my commitment to mm. the other artists and to the studio. Yeah. He could have done anything to me, but I wasn't really thinking that at all. I was 
kind of looking out for the studio and mm. that young lady getting tattooed. Yeah. Yeah. And I could have smashed him. So <laughs> <laughs> we spoke to Kevin, like you develop this confidence because you know, you can fuck the other guy up. <laughs> yeah. This guy wasn't walking in a straight line, so it didn't really, it wouldn't have taken much. Yeah. Yeah. But tattooing apprentice, like for me, I have no tattoos and this is the first time I've walked into a studio or parlor since that time I walked into one in Vietnam like six years ago and I was looking for weed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you won't find any weed here. <laughs> <laughs> By the books, all legal here. So, because tattooing, it's, it's permanent and a lot of people's like, all right, you, when you get started, how, how did you get started and how did you want to share your art in a sense? I... I was very, very lucky into my introduction to tattooing. I had two very, very close friends of mine that were already tattooists who worked in a studio. And uh, at the time, I was really young and I was still studying in, at RMIT. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I had taken a year off to take care of my mum, who was ill. She inevitably passed away and I had the remainder of this gap year off in which I ran an absolute muck. Mm. And my friend who was a tattooist said, hey, Teddy, come in, do some business cards for me mm. uh, just to give me a task and to like, keep me out of trouble. And that's what I did. I, did, I designed this the shittiest looking business card ever in my mate's tattoo studio. And then I sort of just stuck around mm. at the studio and the owner of the studio yeah. was an idiot <laughs> and didn't really question. He was sort of like, so who's the new guy? <laughs> so that's how I got into tattooing. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, you've been to ta tattooing for what? A decade now pretty much, right? Yeah. It's hard to say like, like it's been 10 years since I started, mm. but I've had mm. so many periods of like on and off just through like getting injured mm. or like with the lockdowns and everything. Yeah. 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 But yeah, let's say, let's say 10 years. <laughs> yeah. So you get injured because of tattooing or what's this? Um, during my apprenticeship, I cut the ten two tendons in my hand, oh, in my Jesus. dominant hand, which made, I couldn't move these two fingers here. They move fine now. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Thank you, uh, uh, Western Health for that. <laughs> Shout, <laughs> Shout out to Western Health. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I put my hand through someone's car window mm. and uh, cut the tendons in my hand so I couldn't draw or do anything with my right hand for a couple of months. And then in 2017, I got into a motorcycle accident. Oh, shit. Yeah, where my leg was traumatically amputated. Oh, that is what was written down that's how i wouldn't describe mm. it it was pretty rough but yeah and so that took a little while to bounce back from right but yeah i think i tattooed three months after i got it amputated yeah yeah, yeah. but it was like that's wild under the table sort of yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. which is not under the table anymore because <laughs> i'm on a podcast now that you learned that <laughs> <laughs> yeah traumatically injured and that's how they described it officially so the doctors wrote that on a piece of paper and then Traumatically amputated, yeah. you actually said. Yeah. 
so do you want me to tell you how yeah. it all happened? Yeah. yeah. So I was uh, heading back to my house in Footscray at the time. And I had a friend in her car behind me because I was going to drop off my motorbike to go watch a movie with them. As, uh, as we did this turn that I have done hundreds and thousands of times, mm. I, uh, I was in the far right lane and there's three lanes and I was indicating to turn left to uh, merge into the le furthest left lane to uh, make the next turn. And... Um, Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'm used to mics in my face. <laughs> um, so when I did a head check to do the turn mm. and do the turn right in front of me, some someone had uh, what they call it T-boning. Yeah. So someone Ooh. had came straight out and hit me as I was sort of merging into them. And from there, I just remember hitting the car, flipping for ages. Um. And then eventually I came to, I mean, I, I stopped rolling, sorry. Mm. And it, it hasn't been the first time. It wasn't the first time I've come off a motorbike. So I just wanted to get up to let my mate know that's yeah. like, hey, I'm, a, I'm alive. I'm okay. Mm. I'm in good shape. As I try to get up, I fell back down. Oh, fuck. And then I realized my left foot was facing me. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Um, so from there, I just sort of lied back down. And I just remember being really bummed out. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of um, course. Yeah. And then my friend got out of the car, checked up on me, and she she tried to do what she could, but she freaked out and then called uh, her partner at the time, who was a, a guy that I used to ride with. I, I ride with all the time. Yeah. And he came down. But in that time, I just remember the... <laughs> the uh the driver that hit me mm -hmm. and her mother it was a really young young girl that oh. hit me and she was learning how to drive oh god yeah to this day i have no hard feelings towards yeah. her yeah. at all you know like she i had lawyers telling me it's like do you want to do criminal charges it's like no oh, did yeah. she, she didn't try to bloody mm, kill me or yeah. anything mm. um i didn't remember her screaming being like oh my god is he dead um but yeah, so I was lying there and I had always kept my cigarettes in my jacket pocket and I was trying to roll myself a cigarette because I was like, this is it. Yeah. yeah, being in a pool of my own blood, I was like, oh, yeah, I could wow. really go a cigarette right now. Mm. And there was a gentleman named Jamie whose family, uh, his dad was in the Scottish, served in the Scottish reserves or army and his mum was a nurse. He saw what happened to me from where he was living, ran over, took his shirt off and tourniqueted my leg because yeah. he knew what to do. I yeah, had no idea yeah. what to do. I was like, yeah. this is it. Give me a ciggy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> he did that and he was great. He just chatted to me. He's like, you're right, mate. I'm like, it's not great, is it? He's like, it's not really pretty. And then yeah. I was asking him for a lighter because I couldn't find my lighter at the yeah. time. But yeah, I, it was pretty lucky I got hit a block and a half away from the Footscray cop shop. Yeah. So they closed it off pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Some things, some, some like factors of the story that really sort of upset me and make me think back about was that 
I remember people stopping and getting out of their cars to film me. Oh, oh what the yeah, heck? yeah, and I'm, what? I was fully conscious. It. I was like, <laughs> what makes you do that? Yeah, yeah. That's so odd. That's strange. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, it sounds like multiple people stopped, got out of their way, took out their phones, and then started recording the scene yeah. of an accident. Yeah. That, and just got back into their car. I have no idea where they went. By this time, um, the coppers had come and they said, you probably don't need that cigarette right now. And I was like, fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then eventually the ambulance came and they're like, you can't smoke that in the ambulance. Yeah. Okay. I was like, that's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got taken away um, to the Royal Melbourne Hospital where they try to manage my pain as best they could. Mm. I remember in the car, I mean in the car, in the fucking ambulance, um, they were like, you need to call your dad. And I just couldn't tell him. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't tell him how bad it was. I just had to tell him like, I've been in another motorcycle accident and it's really bad this time, dad. Yeah. And that's like, that's why I haven't bought another motorbike yeah, yeah. I just couldn't do that. I can't do that to him. But I can hide one from him. <laughs> but I just couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't do that again. What was the feeling yeah. of looking down and and seeing your foot face you? Mm. Then, oh, because yeah. you are in a lot of shock, but you're fully conscious this whole time, and you realize you try and stand up, you can't. So you sit back down, and you're like, "Okay, my foot's looking at me." You're stunned. I was trying to roll a cigarette. So I was trying <laughs> to keep myself occupied. Yeah. Um, I, if you ask my friend Collins, yeah, he'll tell you when he came, when he came to see me and like comfort me around with Jamie, mm. I, all I said to him was like, dude, I'm so bummed out. Yeah. I am so bloody bummed out. Cause I like, I've broken things before mm. and you can bounce back from it. Yeah. Right. Mm. And I think having, two other friends that had lost their legs, right. I, I knew the result of the accident was like definitely amputation. At that point in time, you knew. Right there and then. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like even in the hospital, there was, mm. there was the plastic surgeon said, um, as I'm like not even within the hour of, of me getting into the accident, they said, uh, the plastic surgeon said, Okay, we can we can do reconstructive surgery, but there's no guarantee that you will ever be able to bear weight on it. Okay. Or we can amputate, and I'll, we can probably get you back on your feet, like within six months to a year. And I just called it. I was like, "Yeah, take you made it off." Call. Yeah. Wow. Amputate. So yeah. Fuck, that's heavy. But it sounds, and thank you for sharing yeah, your. That's all good. Really. Yeah. Thank you, man. That's all good. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like an acceptance very early on and, and at that moment at the scene of the accident as well because you sitting there rolling the cigarette and... I thought I was going to die for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so already you felt lucky that you survived then? I, th I don't think... I think I had pretty much accepted my fate mm. and then it was only until I started getting help from Jamie tourniquetting my leg, from mm. my friend Ellie uh, 
you know, calling me to be like, hey, are you okay? And then my, my friend Collins to be there and, you know, like just talk me through it. And then, you know, all the, all like the healthcare workers, all the ambulance drivers and everyone there is like, cool. No, they're going to, they're going to help me through this. Mentally, I think what helped me was what I said before, like having two friends that had already lost their legs yeah. mm. and having a friend, like one of them is in like, really out of shape and he has always blamed other th people for his problems yeah. or not understanding his disability and has become quite bitter is an alcoholic or whatever and the other bloke that lost his leg is a fucking legend yeah like you see him getting around he's got a little dog with him mm. and he tells his story with like with a like really light heart mm. so he got shot in the foot by his dad oh shit yeah Fuck. Wow. And he, i remember <laughs> he, yeah and i remember he always said it's like if it was trying to call me uh, it was if it was trying to kill me he would have aimed a bit yeah. higher yeah true. like that is some fucking dark humor oh right God. yeah that's incredible like look you've just explained that there's two ways two sides of what you could do in a terrible situation in terrible circumstance and you've like to say the high road, right? Um, many other people would, you were given the option to put criminal charges on this young girl. Yeah, that shit was never going to happen. Though. Of course. But like, if it was any <laughs> other person, who knows? They would have done it like out of that spite, out of revenge. Because look where I am now. But you decided to be like, no, like it was all an accident. Like she didn't mean to hit me. And... She doesn't deserve to go. I think like in Australia, we were so well set up. We right. are incredibly well set up. Mm. So we have a, we have a traffic accident commission, yeah. which means the majority of your uh, registration fees for your motor vehicles or whatever, this goes into the traffic accident scheme. Mm. There is no scheme like that in, let's say America, yeah. where if I do get hit, I'm like, I'm going to sue your ass, dude. Yeah, exactly. Cause mm. there's no support for him. Yeah. Right. I remember as soon as I came to, there was a traffic accident, TAC agent there mm. to tell me, he's like, hey, you're going to be supported. Yeah. I had no idea about the yeah, TAC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought they wow. were just like commercials to tell you not to drink and drive. <laughs> and then, right. then I got into it a little bit more and learned about it a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah some of my friends were trying to set up a GoFundMe. <laughs> I was like, nah, dude, I got TAC, baby. But you see in Russia... And you see videos on YouTube of the dash cams of people trying to like oh, roll over man. in front yeah. of a car. So it can become a bit of a scam or a business, right. if you will. Yeah. But sounds like we are very lucky. Tell us more about the TAC then, because you've done some work with them ongoing as an advocate or yeah. the ambassador of sorts, right? Well, I took them to court. There's not really a lot I could <laughs> talk about. I guess it's all settled now, so I can talk yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, no, they've been great. They're like, they've been so supportive and everything. And when I say I took them to court, it's because like I was trying to squeeze a dollar out of a dime, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I hope I can talk about that. I hope my lawyers are cool with that. Um, <laughs> Unless we're not, let's, let's be safe and we don't want to get in trouble. No, for we're all, no, it's all sorted. What are they going to do? Sue me? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the TAC is great. They're awesome. From like, uh, they take care of your. They take care of a certain percentage of your salary, 
And it's mm. so hard to navigate as a tattooist what your salary is. Yeah. Yeah. Because from week to week, month to month, season to season even, it varies. Mm. Um, as well as medical expenses, like prosthetics are insanely expensive. And I have medical expenses uh, that are fully compensated for the rest of my life. Wow. It's, it's insane. Wow. Yeah. I've, so I've been an amputee for five years. I've probably gone through probably like 12 or 13 legs now. Yeah. I just keep breaking them. I don't know. Yeah. Break a leg. Break, break a leg, leg, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm breaking a leg. You're breaking yeah, a leg. Yeah. <laughs> Two every year or so now. Yeah. So as well as, you know, the overall compensation for, mm. they call it pain and suffering. Mm. And that's, that's, that's where the whole court thing. Yeah. Because I was so young and it's so hard to gauge, you know, how, what economic loss would happen yeah. from it. Because like being an amputee, um, when you're young, you're like, you can bounce back really quick. But mm. as I, I've, you know, the longer and longer I've been an amputee, I've had problems with my back where I blew out my L4, L5. Wow. My MCL is like gone. <laughs> <laughs> and my hips, yeah, they don't lie anymore. It's uh, <laughs> Yeah. And I'm only, I'm turning 30 this year. Wow. Yeah. So how have you bounced back? Yeah. You spoke about bouncing back quite often so far in our chat, right? It's the pain and suffering and them giving you a monetary value, but the pain and suffering is immense because as we age, as we get to 30, we realize there's things we can't do anymore. But being an amputee, you've realized that there's a lot you may not be able to do after the accident right how do you deal with that mentally and and what tools and how have you been able to bounce back because you are a fucking legend as, <laughs> as you say right i think i knowing that i have leg replacements for the rest of my life i live even fucking harder than when i had two <laughs> biological legs yeah um yeah i fucking send it all the time full send yeah full, <laughs> full send, send all the time um but it's the support came from like my mates and mm. you know mm. and my family and everyone where like if i could give an example when i got when they i was in the hospital bed recovering the first few weeks they had to shut down the fucking ward cuz everyone all my mates were trying to come through and mm. and like check on me and yeah. make sure i was all right and everything um they eventually had to put me in a different room because I can have as many visitors yeah. as I can at the time. Yeah, so it's definitely the love and support of your friends. Like, mm. if you think about it, like, if you saw your if you saw your friends crying by your bed, the first thing you want to do is like, I'm fucking good. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be. Don't worry about me. Yeah. Don't lose any more sleep over me. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's that was my approach. Yeah, yeah. But the universe is like a mirror, right? You get what you put in, and mm. I think it's your joy and your happiness and your incredible vibes and your yeah. jokes. That's <laughs> why people have come, and they got you the the palace suite yeah. at the hospital. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> as well, right? 
Yeah, it wasn't the best suite. It was right <laughs> next to the helicopter emergency, like the ambulance helicopter. So that's that the Alfred. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I was at Royal Melbourne. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've been t- Team Royal Melbourne for a long time. Yeah. What's Epworth trying to poach me? Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of funny. If you want to hear a story. So people would never believe this. So like when you become a young amputee that's covered by TSC, <laughs> uh, prosthetic clinics really, really want you to do your rehabilitation with them. Aha. Uh-huh. And uh, Epworth had approached me and they're like, hey, you know, like we have this great setup and we have these great like uh, practitioners or whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. And then the head of uh, prosthetics and orthotics or something Mm -hmm. at Royal Melbourne Hospital said to me, it's like, oh, you know, you got a few tattoos. You can get like, you know, you can get tattoos on your your prosthetic. I'm like, (laughs) I was like, nah, I don't want that shit. That, That shit looks weird. Yeah. And he just says, like, yeah, I totally understand. Like, have you ever been in a sex shop and they just look too real? I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. Shout That's out to great. Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Mark. <laughs> 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 Royal Melbourne Hospital. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, team Royal Melbourne for sure. <laughs> it's like they drive to draft you for like an NBA team. <laughs> yeah, dude. It sounds like it. Yeah. It did. Like, my rehab was like, I don't think I've ever been more fit in my life than when I was doing my rehabilitation. Wow. Yeah. I like, I was lean as, and they made me run on these treadmills where like I'm strapped up. Yeah. To, it was also to validate, to get the, the prosthetics that I wanted. Um, if I, like, to keep it brief, like there's four levels of prosthetics and mm. however many levels in between those levels. I was going for... Uh, the top three to four, which are like high performance. Mm. Um, you can go from a walk to a jog. You can go from elevated, uh, you know, elevations, like from downslope, upslope. Mm. You can go through, you know, uh, different terrains of like sand, mm. water, salt water. Yeah. Um, and that's what I was going for. And they said, you need to train your fucking ass off. <laughs> To, to set for us to sign off that yeah. TAC is going to give you like fund that prosthetic. Yeah. Wow. I saw one on your Instagram story about a blade on your leg. When are you going to get that? Oh my God. That guy's a legend. <laughs> Have you, what's his name? The guy with one leg. Everybody check this guy out. <laughs> he does the, he juggles his prosthetics, um, which are on fire. Oh, what the fuck? Um, He's an amazing skateboarder with one leg. I used to skateboard. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember trying to skate on, get back on the board after yeah. I had my accident. As soon as I landed a kickflip with one leg, I was like, cool, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> retired. I'm like, I'm retired. <laughs> yeah. It was just too upsetting to know like the level of skating I used to do. Yeah. 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 And I'm getting old and it was sore as fuck. I was scared of blowing out my knee, which I already mm. have done. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be careful. Yeah. But yeah, Royal Melbourne, Royal Melbourne Hospital, give me a blade leg. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the ones they use for running? No, oh no, no. They're, they're called blades as well. They're like called cheetah blades. Oh. Yeah, this was an actual sword. Like a katana. Yeah. Is it like, have you seen the movie, um, what's it called? Kingsman? Yeah. And it's got the chick with the, the prosthetic legs with the yeah. fucking swords. 
Is that is it like that? No, dude. Oh, that. Yeah, that shit's all bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I have never seen a leg that like a bright blade that comes out like a switchblade, but for legs. And she'll be slipping around like yeah. crazy on that thing. I don't know how she she yeah, she loses all traction control for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so how'd you get back into tattooing post the accident? What was your mindset then? Because it feels like to me as as a tattoo artist, you're essentially an artist. How did your art transform pre and post the accident? I don't think my accident has changed my or had an, any effect on my my style of tattooing mm-hmm. at all. My style has always been influenced by like the environment of the studio that I'm in or like yeah. my peers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that just comes down into like this, this setup that I have here at Anderson Street Tattoo mm. where we discussed earlier, it's sort of like, it's a street shop. It's mm-hmm. like an old barber shop where my client can talk to your client. I can talk to that other person's client. We're yelling across the room, you motherfucker, like this. <laughs> People come off the streets and like, you know, I want to get a sleeve done. I got 200 bucks and I got to get out of here in 30 minutes. <laughs> like that's the vibe of our shop. Yeah. And, you know, you can work in other studios mm. where I, a private studio where I'll work a room next to someone and I haven't seen a single tattoo they've done in the last month or so. Oh. Yeah. So my style has definitely uh, changed from from my peers and who yeah. I work with more yeah. so than from my accident. So yeah. it's very community-based. And I think like a barbershop, you go in there and you talk to the others, right? And, and I find for, for men, barbershops are a great place to talk about your own mental health mm. and have a chat, have a real chat sometimes. Oh, or definitely. just talk shit. Right. Yeah, but over the years, like how how have the conversations been in a, a, a tattoo studio, especially as a street one walking in? Have <laughs> you, you get some deep shit, or do <laughs> yeah, you... it's like a, it's a bit of it's a mix of everything. Mm. Yeah, it could be something as stupid as like sports or something, mm. or like someone likes pickles in their burger, and you're like, <laughs> you fucking idiot, pickles are gross, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it varies so much. I couldn't tell you from the top mm. of my mind. Like, yeah. You guys just got to spend, you got to be a fly on the wall in here. Yeah. Yeah, and it's never boring. <laughs> never, never a dull moment. Never yeah. a dull moment in here. Never a dull moment. Yeah. Too many stories to tell, hey. <laughs> many of which I shouldn't. Okay. <laughs> What's the, your favorite piece that you've done on, on someone? Um. There, there's a standout piece like I've done quite recently where I did a, a hanya um, just below the belly button of uh, this young lady, of this young lady's belly button. And afterwards I was just like, I fucking nailed that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you guys could imagine where with, you know, with your craft and everything, you're like, okay, cool. I can tighten up with this and this. Yeah. Tattooists are the worst at that. We're like, I fucking suck. I should yeah. fucking quit. You know, yeah. we're so judgmental with our work. Mm. It's so critical. I'm sure there's a word for it, but you know what I mean? Critical is, is an important word. Yeah. Yeah. But I did this tattoo and I'm like, I, even I was amazed that I did it <laughs> so well. And I got this praise from some of the other artists in here. that was like, this is probably mm. some of your best work. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, we do give ourselves a pat on the back, you know, 
and we also, you know, build each other up as well. But like to hear it from, you know, from your peers mm. in a genuine way, yeah. not in a way to like pick you up. Yeah. It would, yeah, that was probably one of the milestones of my tattooing. Yeah. Definitely. I think it's important to be critical. Like I'm very hard on myself. Mm. I'm often telling myself like, I'm a moron, I'm a dumbass. I'm like, no, you're smart. I'm like, no, I'm pretty dumb. Like if you think of the, if you like know my, what's in my side of my head, I'm like, it's pretty empty in there. But I think that's why I like to learn things because it's like, if I know everything, if I like, oh, I don't need to learn that. Like then there's no purpose for me to learn something like that. Or if it's when I'm designing anything and I'm often like hard on myself because you can always do better, right? You, can, you always feel like you can add those little improvements. No, of course. But it's it's because of those moments where you're so hard on yourself when you have that light bulb where you're like, oh, wow, I'm really proud of this. It feels great. Oh, dude, you know, it's you, so rewarding. Yeah, it's so rewarding, But they're right? so few and far. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with you too. Like, there's such a thin line, the thinnest fucking line between being critical and then there's being self-deprecating. Yeah, right? yeah, there is. Yeah. yeah, and it's, like I said, it where does it fall mm. yeah where does that line draw right yeah tattooing that's the hardest part about tattooing mm. for sure yeah like trying to find that balance yeah. yeah so how have you improved and built upon your craft in the past decade being humble man yeah yeah being humble i hope like yeah i i don't walk around saying i got my black belt in tattooing <laughs> or anything like that you know like yeah i like i i like I, I still have such an apprentice mindset, mm. you know, I, we have an artist here that's been tattooing for half as long as I do. And I watch her tattoo. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. How the fuck did you just do that? <laughs> you know, I think maybe now that I've like, I, the mechanics of tattooing, sure. Like I, maybe I know a little bit more, mm-hmm. but it's, it's the design. It's like, how did you come to create this image? Yeah. More so than the finish itself. You know, I'm yeah. like, the finish could be like, oh, you use this machine with mm. this sort of pigment and you do this motion, right? But it's the creativity now that I'm like still, you know, I get so inspired by it, right. like an apprentice would be, yeah. you know? Yeah. Is that white belt mentality? Like it's, it's something that's so important. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have no belts. <laughs> <laughs> if I did, I've lost all of them for sure. Yeah. And how about mastery then? What is mastery in your craft? mean to you mastery hey so there's no belts no black belts no third dan i think i surround (laughs) myself with people that are quite humble so i i couldn't i don't even know how to answer that hey yeah Mm. even even if let's say someone thought they were the hottest shit even if their tattoos were cool that attitude has already already put a dampener Mm. on that their work right like cool, you do great tats, but I don't want to wear any of your tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want that energy on me. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So what is mastery? Like, like you said, so. What is mastery? Yeah. Like you might think you got the coolest tattoo ever. Right. And that's, that's your, you wear it. Mm. I might think that could use a bit more black. Right, of but like, course. who cares? Who cares what I think? Yeah, you gotta wear it, and it looks sick on you, right? Mm. And you wear it really proudly. Yeah, yeah. No. I've never heard to being tattoos being described as wearing it before, but it's completely right. It is. 
right? And look, the body is a canvas, and I'm sure you've got a lot of pieces from your mates as well. Oh God, yeah, it's like a fucking yearbook, sketchbook <laughs> in here, all over, everywhere. Yeah, and that must be a lot of fun, right? Oh, over time, like it would have changed. It's healed. <laughs> Say it again. It's fun when they're healed. It's not fun getting them done. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for someone with a lot of tattoos, the pain never goes away, does it? The pain gets worse as oh. the older you get, man. Yeah. yeah. I've turned, I remember sitting, I remember sitting like maybe seven or nine hours on my chest as a young man. Oh, fuck. No numbing cream, no nothing. Yeah. And then going out partying afterwards. <laughs> and now I, I got like a calf tattoo from my friend Hannah a little while ago. And like 20 minutes in, I just got off the table. I was like, Hannah, I need a break. <laughs> yeah. And I had to go to the back, have a cigarette and be like, can I fucking do this right now? <laughs> like, am I, can I like tap out in front of like all my peers? So yeah. <laughs> Tattoos fucking hurt. <laughs> okay. So the pain never goes away. Then you don't get used to it. It never goes it. away. Yeah. Oh, well, like once you're not tattooing anymore, it goes away. <laughs> yeah. It's not like I'm in constant pain. Yeah. 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 How about, how about when someone comes in and they want a piece and you're just like in your head, that's silly. <laughs> you probably do that. I think of that all the time, but it's, it's the, you're a business, right? But where, is there any ethics? We're like, you shouldn't get that. Don't do that. Of course. Yeah. I think like the, you know, the more, the, the further along in my career I've had, like I, developed you know the right language to sort of approach that situation when i was apprentice though and i was making no money and i wanted to learn i was like i don't give a fuck what you want to wear on you dude i'll do it on you yeah as long as it's like you know not like anything offensive of course yeah yeah Yeah, it's like yeah i can do color realism it's like i don't even own any color pigments (laughs) (laughs) but now as like since me and me, Spike, Ethan, and Palmer opened up the shop. We've really encouraged people to, you know, like you can turn it, turn away work, yep. you know. Mm. And I guess like working in a st- for street shops for ages, it was like whatever comes in, you got to do it. Yeah. But you can just turn it away, and then they'll go to some other shop, and then that's some other shop's headache, yeah, right? That's their problem. Yeah. So that's that's our approach now. So it's, what does the the everyday person need to know about tattoos or if someone's wanting to get their first piece, what would a a seasoned veteran (laughs) of the industry? (laughs) This might sound really obvious and really stupid, but like, just know what you want to get tattooed. Right. Some people might be like, I want to get a tattoo of a dragon. And you're like, I could draw a dragon 700 fucking different ways. Yeah. Right. And then they'll be like, okay. Cause they, it, it, it just it baffles me I sometimes. want a dragon yeah well no it's more, mainly common with flowers like I want flowers and like okay what <laughs> <Which> flower <laughs> or like where like how would you like it done you know what style would you like it to be done would you like it to be colour or yeah. black and grey or whatever that I know it sounds so obvious but it's like it's like so ball breaking to hear all the time so yeah. it happens a lot Dude, I could show you my emails. Sometimes, like, people email me of, a like, a picture of someone else's tattoo and they'll just do dollar sign, question mark. Efficient. Yeah, and that just goes straight into the fucking bin, that email. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So what's the process? Do you, they give you a detailed description or do you get people coming in like, hey, I have this artwork that I kind of want on my my body what's the yeah i think there's a few there's a few different approaches from it and usually like let's say if it's someone's first tattoo they'll uh you know they have lots of questions and like you have to be accommodating we're so accommodating towards that like please like the more questions you ask me the more comfortable you're going to be with this process right um and there's other people that have had a few more tattoos and they totally get it you know Mm -hmm. and how they navigate it is like Hey, I'd, I'd really like to get this tattoo in at around this size in this spot, black and gray. They'll take a photo of the area where they'll get it done and they'll attach uh, images of reference of yeah. how they'd like it uh, to look. Right. And then the, it's from there, it's just the design process of like how I'm going to draw a design as close to what they want as possible. And then from there, it's sort of like a game of compromise, right? Mm. They might be like, hey, I really like this element, but can you do this? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, we can, but this might happen. Yeah. So it's a compromise between yeah. client and tattooist. Most of the time, people are like, that's fucking sick. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying like, if you're getting your first few tattoos or your first tattoo, it's it's so intimate. I could imagine it's so intimidating to ask these questions, you yeah. know, cause they, they might seem obvious to them, <laughs> obvious to us. And they yeah. don't want to be seen as asking a silly question. There is no silly questions mm. at all. So that would be my, my approach. The more, the more you portray and the more questions you ask, the better. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's something we've learned recently is the power of asking. Like it's so important. Like even if it's just a stupid question, it's better to get clarity than to get something done and be like, what happened? You know? Yeah. It's you never know the answer as well, so it's always always ask. Always ask. Always ask. That's why I always watch the other tattooists in here, like Ethan, who's been who's my mentor. I watched him do uh, pull certain lines. Like it's so hard to pull such a like like a perfect circle, right? Yeah. And I saw him how he he broke it down. I'm like, that's so fucking simple. Yeah. It took me ten years to fucking think about that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The power of the ask, but also the power of being prepared as well. Yeah. So the more information I can give you on my wants and my requirements, the better you are in meeting them, right? And it goes with all work yeah. as well. And, and Jasper, you're a designer as well. And then the more information I can give you and, and the better the brief, yeah, the better work you can return, right? Makes it easier, right? And it's that constant communication of talking back and forth. Like it's necessary, right? Absolutely. But there's always that fear, like like you said, like if it's a stupid question or am I like taking too much of your time? But like... Dude, it's an email, dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And if you're talking to someone that's like getting aggravated by your questions, stop talking to them. <laughs> like seriously. Yeah. Find someone else who's willing to help you. Yeah. You would know for sure. Like the older you get, you know how to filter through things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't need to take on every single brief, exactly. every single design. Yeah. 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 Did, I should be enjoying my craft now. 100%, yeah. 100%. Yeah. But it took some time to get to that level, right? Of like, sometimes you have to go through that period of like doing so many work so that you can build that mastery and then you can earn the right to be like, I get to pick and choose. Absolutely. Know? I think like there's mm. tattoo, as, as much as an aloof as tattoo, the tattoo industry is <laughs> to everyone else, tattooing is just like any other job, mm-hmm. right? Like you do things, you do a job 
to pay the bills exactly. than you do a job to pay your soul. Yeah. Right? And it's like any other job. Hmm. Yeah. And we don't sell weed here, <laughs> like, like you might think in Vietnam. Don't yeah. get confused. <laughs> yeah, don't get confused. Wow, that's a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. A job that pays the bills, but then a job to feed your soul. Mm. Yeah. What are the jobs that feed your soul then? I think like, uh, I like doing like really classical tattoo imagery. So they would be like dragons tigers snakes mm. and everything like and you you can imagine you know the classic tattoo imagery yeah and there's other things you know like that they're not as rewarding mm. you know but it doesn't mean i still don't approach it with the same seriousness and enthusiasm right like someone might come in and want to get mum tattooed on their wrist and i'm like I still bring that same energy to that yeah, tattoo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah, like, when yeah. are you going to come in and get dad on the other side <laughs> or something, you know? Yeah. So why do people keep coming back to you? What's your secret sauce? What's obviously you've got great energy. That's right? it, dude. Yeah. Obviously like you, tattooing is so intimate. I'm marking you for life. Yeah. yeah. And you're giving me a fucking large sum of money for it most of the time, yeah. you know? Tattoos are fucking expensive. That's why I became a tattooist, so I could get them for free. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you, obviously, your work reflects yourself, your yeah. quality of work, mm-hmm. and as well as, you know, your approach to it. Yeah. It, it, you have to understand that someone's come to you and then is paying you for a lot of money. So you should be accommodating to them. Yeah, yeah it's so bloody intimate, dude. <laughs> it's yeah. quite an honor as well, right? That they're coming to you, they love your art, and they're like, hey, brand me for life. <laughs> yeah, dude, when people email me, people that I've never met before, and they say, I want you to tattoo my whole back. Oh, shit. I'm like, have you sent this to the right person? <laughs> Sometimes like, are you sure? <laughs> about this yeah it's like we said earlier it's uh the the critical the balance between critical and self-deprecating right it's like you sure you want me to do this yeah yeah because i'm just as unsure about doing it as you wanting to get it done maybe but the beauty of that is that balance whether you are second guessing yourself is that you put in so much more effort Mm. because the customer is giving you so much money and they're giving you the the honor of what tattooing their body is like, all right, I'm going to give it my fucking all and, yeah. and do the best work that I possibly can. I think the honor itself, like that privilege and yeah, it's that trust, no sum of money. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's so fucking serious. Mm. Yeah. Like the, the back, for example. Mm. That's like prime real estate. Yeah. Right? Mm. And you just offered me prime real estate. Are you fucking joking? <laughs> yeah. And the, but like it's it's so surreal. Yeah. Yeah. Especially now, like I've done it for a while where I can do full backs mm. and like quite larger p- pieces mm. and stuff. Um yeah, it's I'm very, very lucky to be in the position that I am and to have the clientele and the yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I'm very, very lucky. Yeah. yeah. And I never, ever take them for granted. Yeah. That's it. 
Is there any pressure? Like, what's the pressure? Oh, I can't imagine because you you can't make a mistake, right? Because once you you start marking, it's there for life, right? A big part of learning how to tattoo is learning how to fix tattoos. Right. Yeah. Ooh. So there is overwhelming pressure. Yeah. We're human beings, you know. Things happen where they move, and I'll. That perfect line isn't perfect anymore, <laughs> you know. Or they sneeze. They sneeze. <laughs> like there's this. We're human beings. There's so many factors of failing, not failing, but like mistakes, right? Yeah. And so what I said, like a big part of learning how to tattoo is learning how to fix them as well. But yeah, the pressure's fucking <laughs> skits, man. The pressure is insane. Yeah. I think owning now that being part owner of a studio, the pressure is even greater than yeah. ever. Right. Yeah. Because your reputation's behind that too, right? The reputation, but like for myself, I don't know how to make this sound pretty. <laughs> like most of the artists, some of the some of the artists from my shop have come from studios that are quite questionable. Not questionable. They were they weren't treated as best as they can. Right. Does that make sense? Um so when they come here, I don't want them to feel that they're going to be mistreated, mistalked yeah. to. Like, yeah. we're like, we're so to the point here. We're like, to be honest with you, like, like it's a money, let's say it's a monetary thing. I'm pretty sure these artists that we've hired make more money than I do. Fuck. Yeah. Like, we want to give them such a great time, like, a good time to grow and grow enough where, like, they can go to another studio and yeah. learn and develop even further, right? Like, t- take this as a stepping stone rather than them being a cash cow. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that pressure of being like, I need to accommodate these artists as best as I can. Like, how do me and my partners do that? Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. Ted, look, Liam and I were having this conversation and he said, yeah, such incredible energy and I'm feeling that as well and I can see you're, you're a very selfless person have you always been like this? dude how the fuck can a selfless person comment on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've, I've always been like selfless well, what was that process? that was a joke by the way <laughs> like, I guess let me reframe that question what was the process of you you know becoming like this person that cares so much about his employees and just everyone around them because I was mistreated me and the owners, we came from a shop where we were mistreated. We worked for years on a 50% commission without supplies. That is fucking unheard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without that supplies. Is, without yeah. supplies. So like disposable yeah. supplies like mm. paper towels, cling yeah. wrap, gloves, you know, the tongue depressors that you were surprised to see <laughs> at the back before. Yeah. Um, yeah. For a 50% commission. So everything I made, I had to give 50% of it to the owner. We all did. And there was no, there was no reward f- for, let's say, being, uh, being really good to the shop. Yeah. Which yeah. is like, you know, like, uh, like one of my mentors, he literally ran that shop. Yeah. And he took care of all the other artists in there from his work alone. And he wasn't rewarded or even uh, appreciated for that. Yeah. So when we started our own shop, we're like, dude, this is going to be the fucking Disneyland of tattooing. <laughs> yeah, for tattooists. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's that's where our approach has come from, mainly. But what about you as a person? You've got such great, incredible energy. Well, tell us about your old man then. My because, dad. Yeah, he's he's such a lovable guy as he well is, and at he? your parties, right? Yeah. We all yeah. celebrate Ted, but just as much, we celebrate your dad. Yeah, he's a bit of a party animal, my dad. He just He just knows how to have a good time. Yeah. When he's hungover, though, he's not a great time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think like having parents that are, you know, refugees, boat people, and they tell you about their trip to get to Australia, you have to be so fucking humble. Yeah. 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 Like, mate, like I went on a, I went on a boat trip with my partner and her family and we were on a boat for two nights and three days. And all I could think about was how the fuck did my parents get here mm. on a boat? Yeah. And this boat was luxe as fuck compared to the one that they got here on. So where were you again? I was in Whit Sundays, man. I was in Yeah. Yeah. I was in the Queensland. Great weather, great sand, great beaches. Yeah. As luxe as you could probably get compared to a, a leaky fishy fishing boat at <laughs> yeah. Vietnam, right? Yeah. In yeah, the seventies and eighties. Like the majority of my family all that came to Australia are boat people. And the stories that they told me, there's no filter as Asian parents, you know, we'll be having a nice meal. And my dad will say, it's like, yeah, I, I had to, I had to climb the tallest mountain to bury a, a dead baby. And then we had to quickly board the boat because the pirates came and saw us. Yeah. Or like my uncle just telling us like, yeah, we had to resort to cannibalism. Mm. Because, you know, before they were found out. Heaps of stories like that. Yeah. There's heaps of funny ones too. I didn't mean to get just so dark just yeah. there. But yeah. No, but there are also a lot of untold stories. There's a lot well of untold stories. are held so deep inside. And for me, like my old man, he doesn't even go near water. He can't oh, yeah. go for swims or, or anything like that. He'd always be watching over the years. And... Look, I haven't asked him about that for a long, long time, but it makes me want to say, hey, yo, what's up? Yeah. As well, all right? Because that's some trauma and some some stuff that's hidden and tucked away that he's holding on for, for so long. And like what your family have shared. The, the- I guess that's why my dad's a party dad because when all you Asian boys come around, he's like, look at the fruits of my labor, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had to travel through shaky seas, yeah. get shot at by pirates, starve, like dehydrated for you guys to get wasted in my backyard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's the garden these days? We just sold the family house. So it looks great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of work has gone into yeah, it. Yeah, a lot of work has gone into it. Yeah. What happened? What's the reason behind the sale? Um, so when mum passed away, I didn't want to live in that house anymore Mm. yeah and it's taken my dad 10 years to sort of feel the same way as i have and uh a big part of like vietnamese culture is like the oldest son will take care of the 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 parents yeah so i i bought a house and i told him i was gonna buy a house on my own Mm. and he said hey i think it's time that we let go of this house and Mom, my mom's original plan was the house is 50-50 with me and my sister. Mm. So 
we sold the family house and with my my portion of the family house we got a fucking bowler house for me and dad (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that that's it yeah congratulations on on buying a new house thank you wow yeah yeah the street I'm not going to name the street on this podcast. Is the postcode Turak or something? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm born and raised in the West Side. So, oh, yeah. Side. yeah. Look, there was a moment after one of your parties and it was a somber moment for me, right? I think me, Roger and Ricky we were just on our way out and towards the end, we just lit some incense and, and paid respects to your mum and... For me, that was a beautiful moment of just honoring her. And I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I really, really appreciated that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I can visually remember it and I feel it in my body at the moment too. And look, I can't imagine losing my mother at, at any age, right? Yeah. And obviously it's a big gap that would leave you because of a reason why you can't live in your current house because of certain memories or. Yeah. I, yeah, that was such a beautiful moment. Yeah. I had like so many friends roll in just like how many, all my friends rolled in when I got hit, they all rolled in and they burnt incense for my mom when they left the house, you know, cause they're like, this is mom's house. Um, yeah, it's, it's unreal losing a parent when you're that young, but you're that young where, you have no fucking idea how to process that. Yeah. yeah. Like the only grief that I had ever experienced before then was burying three grandparents where I quite literally had to dig a grave for one of them. It was like a tradition that we had to do a, th- something yeah, in right. Viet tradition. Yeah. yeah. That and because like all the Viet boys, like traditional Viet boys, like, Oh, look at this Western fat Viet boy. I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah, I took the skins off my hands to do it. Wow. But um yeah, it that was a really beautiful time like how you deal with grief. I was just so young. I'm still processing it now, right? Yeah. My mom died 2 days before my birthday. Wow. Yeah, I cremated her on my birthday. Yeah. And when you're you lose your mum at 18 and then you bury her at 19. How, how does any of your friends out of your age group know how to communicate with you, right? How does anyone know how to develop that sort of language? So as I've gotten older, I was like, man, it would have been nice to, if mum knew me as a man, right? Mm. That's something I always think about. Yeah. yeah, I always sort of think, man, would she be disappointed in me, you know? Oh. Or like, would she like, what would she think it's like about this tattoo that I just got or something? You know, it's like- Maybe it's your question though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it's not, I don't always self-deprecate with that. Like I've made so many bad choices, you know, but the outcome has always been great. Yeah. But could you say your positive outlook on life and this energy that you hold and that you bring has that come from seeing so much darkness? Oh, mate. That yeah. when you do see a glimpse of light or any bit of light that many people may not be able to appreciate, you've just seen this immense darkness that you're saying, holy fuck, 
this is awesome. This every day, this this normality, the the beauty and the mundane, as I like to say sometimes. Yeah, shit gets dark, dude. Shit is very very dark, and it's okay. You should embrace the dark, right? Like things fucking suck, yeah. and it's you should talk about it. Mm. Yeah, as soon as you're like a hollow human being on your own, that's where I think so many people. So I have such an awkwardness to address grief, right? Like, like myself, like no one knew how to talk to me yeah. when I lost mum. Mm-hmm. I had uncles and like I had family members, sorry, being like, when are you going to go back to school? Yeah. Thinking like school, like going back to uni would uh, take my mind off yeah. my mum dying, yeah. you know? So yeah, no, just embrace the suck, dude. Yeah. And it. get it all out. Because... Yeah. Because I remember, like, we had a couple of drinks, and after a couple of drinks, you can let it all out. Yeah. Right? It's like, dude, this fucking sucks. And I have my friends and some people that I trust enough to be vulnerable around. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I yeah. think that's. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm like the way I am today. Someone who's able to talk to people and be open about, you know, being vulnerable because of these, you know circumstances situations when you're just having some drinks with your closest mates and they create that you feel that safe space you do you share right yeah 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 Yeah. and then if you're with people who are willing to listen and just be like hey like you know i I feel it it's becoming more and more common the older we get right definitely no one lives forever right yeah Yeah, and it's it's inevitable that you're going to deal with some form of grief in your life and it's always nice to have someone you can share with and i think like you said like i have this great attitude or yada 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 whatever right it's like no i've fucking gone through so much suck so early on in my life that i can talk and relate to my friends or my peers about the current suck going on their life Yeah. yeah i have that language to communicate with them and we're not told to embrace the suck when it happens to to participate in the grief because your parents and even your mentor at the tattoo or that first brought you in to build business cards, right? Yeah. We get thrown distractions at us. Oh, yeah, dude. All the time. That's so bullshit. Yeah, that's so bullshit. I remember, like, I love my dad. I just remember when mum, as soon as I watched mum take her last breath, I woke up the entire family. Wow. Yeah. I remember like she was like she's gonna about to, she's she's gonna go and then it was my dad, my uncle, my sister and uh my auntie and they were all sleeping in the corridor. I was like, wake the fuck up, dude. I think she's about to go. Mm. And then yeah, I, we all watched her take her last breath. And then my dad just says the most fucking offensive shit ever to me, where he said, You can cry now, but that's it. Don't cry anymore. Yeah. And to this day, I like can't cry. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it that's it yeah. at all, but yeah. So that was on the point of what you said, where it was just like, don't express how you're feeling, because grief is so fucking confusing, dude. You know, like we're laughing one minute, we're crying another time. You're you're lost. You're, but then you're embraced. Mm. Yeah, it's so fucking surreal. And you obviously cried. Was that your last cry then? 
with your mom. Oh shit, I cry all the fucking time now. The older I get, dude. You just sit down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like over yeah, some yeah, yeah, like yeah. over yeah. like heavy stuff like mm. like no, yeah. When I was younger I didn't cry. Now I it's slowly getting there for me. I wonder what it is. It could be look we as we progress men are taught hey you can feel your feelings now and you can embrace the suck and talk to your mates about it where back then with our parents and and them seeing so much of their own anguish and hardship and trials that they were like no you're not allowed to feel this men have to deal with it by themselves i think that's it for sure yeah yeah definitely yeah i think i'm a bit more emotionally stable now but for so long, I just, yeah, I, I just couldn't, couldn't work it up. I don't know. It's not even just about crying. I just didn't have that, that in me. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, this, this is terrible. Yeah. This just happens. People die. Everyone just, people die. That's it. But I think now through discussion, you know, not even just between men, like uh, between all genders and all sexes of my friends and stuff. If anything, like talking to like all my friends that are girls and all my friends that are like in the queer community and the trans community, like it's fucking helped me so much in tune with my emotions. Yeah. Like I worked for Crucible Tattoo Company, yeah. Melbourne's first queer and trans tattoo studio. Oh. Yeah. I had no idea that that was the case at all as yeah. a straight guy. But, like, my time there, fuck, dude, like, the things I learned and, like, from the artists that I worked with and from Zero, the owner of, of Crucible, it's like, dude, I'm, like, I'm, like, so more in tuned with my emotions, right? Rather than being, like, my parents being, like, oh, we just had this tragic event happen to us. Suck it up, you know? But now I embrace the fucking suck hard. <laughs> and now I'm just wondering from one generation to the next and look it is a different story moving from look, Vietnam completely different scenarios to Australia right but do you plan to have kids at all yeah dude yeah my partner Evie's gonna fucking hate this but like I just want to have triplets straight away <laughs> yeah I feel like just get it over and done with because she's studying biochemistry. I'm like, oh, you can put this shit together yeah. somehow. Right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'd love to have kids one day. Yeah. And just imagine, yeah, the, the generational change of safety, right? Because we grew up in safety. Yeah. Relative to our parents, or more than relative, right? But the safety of, your kids growing up and their old man is a tattoo artist who, I don't know, sucks his vape all day. (laughs) (laughs) There's a different kind of safety and the ability to really be who they want to be because you most definitely encourage that as well rather than trying to draw lines and boundaries too much. Of course. You guys would probably agree, like you wouldn't model your your approach to parenthood from your own way of being parented, right? 
like how do i if let's say we had kids yeah you would immediately think how was i brought up exactly of what course, you were yeah. your own personal experience and i've talked to my partner about it where like i wish my parents had encouraged my me and my sister through like artistic expression mm. and through athleticism yeah. way more than you know like you have a full five day school week and then tutor the next day or tutor after school and then viet school and then another tutor <laughs> yeah it, it, but like i just remember me and my sister were fucking hyper as fuck yeah <laughs> and we'd race each other on bikes and race other kids on bikes yeah. and whatever and tina really wanted to do tennis but my mom and my sister, my mom and my dad were like, no, girls don't play tennis. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff like that. So in my approach, I would love for my kids to like, whatever you want to do, just not meth. Like do whatever the <laughs> fuck you want, man. Yeah. If you want me to like, if you want to go play basketball, yeah. I can't shoot hoops for shit. I'll take you to training. Yeah, 100%. Like, but I secretly just want them to be like combative sport <laughs> yeah. you know i just want them to be like the ronda rouseys and the mike tysons and stuff but yeah, yeah. i don't know how I would, I would deal with my kid getting beaten up yeah. there like do i just jump the ring and like kick the other kid or something kick the other kid or kick the other ufc fighter <laughs> uh, oh maybe when they're pro and in the ufc but yeah whatever they want to do i'd definitely encourage it and your point about well, obviously you model what and how you're going to be a parent based on your parents, right? And it's not about, it's more like what not to do mm. than that's what I think about. What am I not going to do? Because what you will do is your own flavor already. Yeah. I think we're having a discussion from three guys that don't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like I've, I've, some of my friends, I've had the same discussion yeah. like as their partner's uh, pregnant and it's a whole different fucking person um, i've spoken to as soon yeah. as they have a kid yeah. right yeah so me talking about having kids in the ufc and <laughs> shit and like getting their heads kicked in as soon as i have a kid i could be i might be like a helicopter dad yeah. and be like oh my god putting cushions everywhere and shit yeah true yeah so i don't I, it's hard for me to comment on that yeah yeah that's an interesting one Cause but i will encourage them yeah yeah because i think about that now as well like you know like what would what kind of dad would I be like? And yeah, you'd want to be that kind of dad's like, oh yeah, do this. And like I said, I might become that helicopter parent. Who knows? Because once that baby pops out, he's like, your life changes, right? Oh like, God, I can't imagine what what would go through my mind when you become that dad. You'd want to protect your child, right? But at the same time, you don't want to be too overprotective at no. the same time. Have you seen like Have you guys seen some of your friends like grow to fatherhood? at all like from finding out they're going to become a dad from the nine months or however long it takes because i don't know how long it takes <laughs> in between you know different trimesters yeah, yeah, and then yeah. eventually seeing their kid for the mm. first time have you seen that in your personal lives uh, not, not, not that at all. i've seen family yeah. go through that and it's just like whoa you're having a kid? Yeah. <laughs> right? Should you have a kid? Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> but tell me about what you see with your mates because... I think it's like, you know, when you're... Like, we're having the same chat. This is the start, yeah, right? Yeah, this yeah. is the chat we have. And then the the next chat is like, 
dude, I'm going to be a dad. And yeah. that you, well, the friends that I've, that are having kids, I have had kids. They just don't want to fuck up on anything, yeah. you know? And so they're reading all the books, they're doing all this. They want to take care of their partner. And they're like, dude, I don't know how to cook. And, you know, so-and-so wants me to, you just got cravings for this. Um, and then all that shit goes out the fucking window as yeah. soon as you, they see their kid, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's, they're like a whole different guy, a whole yeah. different person. Yeah. Imagine it. Imagine you're in the delivery room with your partner and we can oh, only imagine, man. right? Yeah. But I'm terrifying. But holding <laughs> your son or your daughter in your arms for the first time, having the nurse hand yeah. you your son, say it's your son. Congratulations, yeah. you're a father now. <laughs> Imagine that feeling. I'd be like, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> you cause us so much grief. I like, yeah. I like I said before, like how I t telling Evie, like just push out three kids at the same time. <laughs> if she pushes out one kid and I, yeah, if I see her deliver one baby and Ooh. through that, that, you know, experience of that, I might be like, I don't want you to go through that ever again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like all jokes aside, I might be like, that's it, dude. Like, I, I don't want you to experience that ever again. So I just don't know. It's hard to say. But I'd love to have kids. Can you imagine like a couple of little teddies running around? Hells, yeah. Yeah, man. I'm going to raise my kids like pit bulls, man. <laughs> so they're going to be jacked as shit by 12. No, no, no. Put sneak some shit in the baby bottle. <laughs> I got to... Asian kids with facial hair, like twelve years old. <laughs> like six foot one yeah. Jackson. Fuck yeah, my twelve-year-old's got traps, man. <laughs> Is that an anaconda? <laughs> That's mean. That's mean. Man. No, no, love is not haters. For sure. Yeah. Well, I didn't think we would talk about children and having kids about this podcast, man. Like. You know, but that's where the, these podcasts go to different directions, right? Fuck yeah, you guys run a great show, man. Oh, thank I'm you. so so grateful that you guys approached me. We're grateful to be in the store. Absolutely. Yeah, come check it out. Yeah, <laughs> come totally. get tattooed. We're gonna get tattooed right after this. <laughs> Are we? <laughs> you better be tattooed. <laughs> Don't touch me, man. I'll myself. <laughs> oh wow, you could tattoo to yourself. Have you tattooed yourself? Yeah. Yeah, dude, it was a terrible idea. I said, do it, I went to it then. Yeah. He's yeah. a master, I'm what? I'm I had to get Ethan to fix it up for me. Which face was it? Uh, it's so stupid, dude. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. It's this one on my thigh where it's like a hand. Let's say you're looking directly down the barrel of a gun. Okay. Straightforward. So it's a hand holding a gun. Right. And on the knuckles of the gun, it says ACAB. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> but yeah. And you just had to get him to, to fix it up for you. Sorry? And you just had to get him to fix it up for you. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, because I imagine. Isn't it ironic, like getting an old cop's ba uh, bastard's tattoo fixed up by your friend because you were like too chicken shit to fucking <laughs> bury that shit in your leg in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, dumb idea. Don't tattoo yourself. Actually, fuck it. Do whatever you want. Man. <laughs> do whatever you want. 2022, do whatever you want. Right? Yeah. But look, thank you for coming on. It's been yeah. so much fun. It has been. 
so much fun. That's been really fun. Yeah. Hey. yeah. Just having a few drinks and just chilling, just having you know, some banter. I hope like... you guys come back and we can just like hang out at the yeah, bar or something. Yeah. yeah. Do it. I'd love that. For sure. Yeah. Love it's for been sure. a pleasure. Thank you so much, yeah, guys. It's been awesome. Yeah. It's been a pleasure meeting you too. And just love your energy, man. Thanks, brother. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah. I want that Oku- uh, Okuru hoodie, please. Oh, Dad, we're gonna get you. We're yeah, get you I'm not getting paid for this shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys knew my hourly rate, you guys would be weeping right now. <laughs> so I want that merch. Okay, all right. We'll set you up. We'll set you up. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> and when we do end podcasts, we ask three questions. Oh shit! Yes, you totally do. <laughs> <laughs> I remember listening to it. I was like, oh, dude, I'm gonna come out with a slamming answer right now. <laughs> Oh, shit. I forgot about that. That's all right. Look, the first question that we always ask is, what are you grateful for? Fuck. That's not what I'm grateful for. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, My chosen family. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Coming from a very broken and disruptive family, the friends and the friends who have are now obviously my family. Mm. I am so, so grateful for them. Yeah. Deeply. Yeah. And I see that and, and coming to your parties, I see so, so, so much love there. So much love. And it's, it's so beautiful to, I guess, be a part of and to watch it all unfold as well. And it's evident when you step into this place. Man, you guys well. are fucking a part of it too, dude. Oh. Yeah. Give yourselves a pat on the back. <laughs> So the next question we'd love to ask is, what have you realized? (laughs) Oh, man. He's a legend. (laughs) What have I realized? Oh, man. This sounds so fucking corny. But, like, life is so short, dude. Mm. Life is so quick. Yeah. I see my life... I see my dad's life going through 60, 360 through me now. Does that make sense? Mm. Where like I see myself becoming a dad or becoming the man that my dad is. Mm. So I've realized, fuck, I got to do so much. Yeah. Like I got to do as much as I can to my full capacity all the time. Yeah. Like before I said like, yeah, dude, like after the accident, I go fucking hard. Like I full send everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I realized because it's so brief. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with tattooing. That makes you realize that too. Where like I'll tattoo on Tuesday. I don't know where it's Sunday. And I realized, dude, I got to draw up the next tattoo for Tuesday. Yeah. 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 So yeah, go for it. Yeah. Beautiful. And the last question is, what is the question you ask yourself? Fuck, ask these questions. <laughs> That's me, man. I'm sorry, bro. That was me. What is an ask? Uh, what is a question that I would ask myself? <laughs> I'm questioning myself about that question right now. Um, <clears throat> everything I'm going to say sounds so fucking corny. Did I do enough? Yeah. Did I do enough at like setting up the shop for dinner with? my partner with my family yeah with my friends yeah. have i done enough have i been present enough have yeah. i been a good enough friend or whatever relationship i am in have i been enough yeah that's a beautiful question i think it's a question that that's a fucking ask. ripper question it's a, dude it's a ripper it question. yeah there you go because it's like man all you got left is your legacy yeah. right 
Yeah. And it's something that we should be asking ourselves. Like I we read should. a book recently called The Power of One More. I'm still reading it, but it's it's just the ability to think and ask yourself, can I do one more? Can I do one more thing for myself? Can I do one more thing for the person I care about? And it's just that pretty similar to that question. Have I done enough? And it's about doing that one more. If you can go that extra step, then you know you've done enough. Yeah. In every aspect, yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. That's, it. That's a great one. Great question. <laughs> now that I think about it. That's yeah. a great question, yeah. Tim. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So where can the Okiru listeners find you? They can find me at Anderson Street Tattoo in Yarraville. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an array of artists here to accommodate wherever you want, or even if you guys want to come in for a chat. Um, yeah, that's where you guys can find me. And I live at... Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. how about your artist page? Uh, I go by... It's all one text, no underscores or anything it just i just go by steady teddy tattoo yeah make sure you check him out guys and ted it was an absolute pleasure meeting you and having this conversation freaking loved it like your energy is felt like by all of us and i'm sure by the listeners too so thanks so much and we hope you found value in this conversation fuck yeah thank you for having me thank you brother and always take care yeah let's get up (laughs) let's go ted thank you brother thank you bro thanks appreciate it What a pleasure. Thank you, Liam. Okay.